Hey there, dear singer or speaker. Who are you? Who could benefit from the sound and content of your voice? Answering questions like this can lead you to a successful or more successful vocal career. So come with me and my guest, Sue Painter, as we explore the murky waters of vocal brand clarity and much more. Hello, this is Judy Rodman. You're listening to All Things Vocal Podcast. This is the audio version of the blog you can find at judyrodman.com. Sue Painter founded The Confident Marketer in 2003 and has been working with solo business owners and entrepreneurs around the world since then. Her expertise is brand clarity, who we are and what defines us, digital marketing for voices, how you get the word out online about our work, and growth strategies, how we grow our fan bases and event bookings. Sue began her first business at 14 and has owned both brick and mortar and online businesses. Her second business, Sell Travel Better, helps travel suppliers and travel agencies find their niche market and sell more travel. Sue is a former musician, so she understands our world, a global traveler, and is married to her college sweetheart. She lives in Sarasota, Florida, and you can find her website at confidentmarketer.com. And of course, I'll put that in the podcast notes. So welcome, Sue. So glad to have you with us. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, Judy. Okay, so let's start by you taking us into your amazing journey to what you're doing today. And what business were you doing at 14? (laughs) When I was 14, my then boyfriend and I used to go to the garbage cans in the back of churches and pick up uh, mimeograph machines, those things you probably don't even remember, out of garbage bins. The churches would throw them away when they wore out. And we would go to his dad's garage and refurbish them, and then we would sell them, sometimes back to the same churches. (laughs) <laughs> wow. You st- oh, boy, you were a hustler early. That is incredible. Yeah. You know, I held four jobs when I was in high school. I was working at J.C. Penney's, and I used to eat their chocolate-covered peanuts for, for lunch. And uh, I was uh, teaching piano a little bit and babysitting and playing the church piano. <laughs> So I know what you mean. Yeah, we did oh. what we had to do, right? <laughs> we did what we had to do, yeah. So what do you think are some important ways that we can define our vocal career brands? With you learning all that you did along the way in your journey, how do you apply that to vocal career brands? You know, vocal career brands are just like any other brands. They're very personal to us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We create our brand out of something that we hope for, dream for, desire for, something that we very badly want to share with others. And so from that standpoint, we're always needing to think about what makes us so unique. What is it that we have in our voice, we have in our expertise that is uniquely shared with others that draws them to us? And being able to find that focus and then create our branding around that one particular thing will help us stand out and be unique. Mm Mm-hmm. That's incredible because it goes into the artist definition that a lot of artist development companies actually try to help people uh, get around. But I don't think they think a lot of times 
a little farther than actually making the music. They actually need to think about that when they're working on social media and doing everything that they do, from what they wear to the messages they deliver in public. Uh, that needs to be kind of consistent, doesn't it? It does. We have to think about our brands really as our style in a way, especially mm-hmm. for a performer. You know, when I was a kid, I was studying to be a classical pianist and my specialty was Beethoven. Well, there are thousands of pianists who play Beethoven, but each person has their own style, their own interpretation and their own brand, if you will. So as a vocalist, it's the same thing. You're going to deliver a song in a slightly different way than someone else who maybe wrote the song or who covered the song. So it is really, your branding is who you are. It is not just your music, it's your personality, your style, how you feel about reaching out and connecting to others. Mm -hmm. You know, that's interesting because I experienced that very thing and I never thought about it till just now. But when I started singing uh, as the artist on MTM Records as an as a recording artist, I'd had really already decades of uh, background vocals uh, and jingle singing in my history. And I was used to just sounding like somebody else. Uh. And I had to figure out who really quickly who the heck I was as an artist mm-hmm. and be consistent with that. And it was difficult. I don't, you know, I think I'm more that now than I was then. I mean, I know who I am as, a, as an artist, but what helped me was actually writing towards my messages. That's what helped me more than anything. I think kind of figure out who I was and what I wanted to, how I wanted to present myself publicly, you know, as an artist. But boy, that's different than jingle singing. And and guys, if you are going out for session singing and jingle singing and you are an artist and you're trying to find those uh, alternate uh, income streams, you have to put on different hats, right, Sue? You do have to put on different hats. And I mean, it's an interesting point that you make, Judy, because I know when we are younger in our careers, we aspire to sound like someone we very much admire often, Mm -hmm. whether it's performing on a keyboard or performing through voice. But of course, that doesn't give us our career. It doesn't serve us in good stead. So there are times when you're shifting the things that you do within your career where you have to be more of a team player and blend. But then if you're a a solo performer, you have to do the things that uh, allow you to stand out. And you don't really want to be known as sounding like someone else. You want to be known as having your own voice. Right. I guess it's like you have to go back to your key. What kind of work do you want to do? Yes. In the field. And if you want to do different kinds of work, think differently for each one. Yes. Okay. So how do you feel about increasing our online visibility these days? Can we do other things and just dance on TikTok, please? And and feed the never satisfied hunger of Twitter and Instagram story feeds. (laughs) Help. You're you're reaching kind of a sore point with me. I'm a little (laughs) bit love these days with social media. I've run an experiment with my own business where I've kind of really set back with social media and I have focused more on making individual connections with people who are collaborators and people who can be influencers for me. And I find that my income has not suffered from being less on social media. In fact, it has increased. Performing is such a personal thing and being in the world of of music 
it is so much about connections. So I probably would say to the people you work with, that's every bit as important as social media, if not more so. You have to find a place on social media where you can live. But trying to be all things to all people and satisfy all the platforms, unless you can pay to have a staff that does that for you, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you'll be doing that, but you'll never be singing a note. (laughs) Well put, or writing a song. Oh my gosh. Yeah. uh, You know, and guys, I have to tell you, Sue and I, I, I just had a personal consultation with her. I bought an hour of her time to figure out my own journey here and to share, you know, I think, I think sharing what, what's working for us sometimes gives you better information than us, you know, talking theories and something we've read online or something like that. And what I found and re-remembered in talking with Sue is how important networking is and how important focusing on where our audiences really are, you know, is and, and uh, giving ourselves time to create then and, and be a better vocal coach because I'm totally present with you and all that and not having to do 3 billion different things. And so to pick the place, if it is TikTok, man, embrace it and, and do your thing. But figure out where your niche market is and interact with them there. And Sue reminded me of something else that was really important. Your website is your hub. Yes. And you're insane if you think Reverb Nation or Facebook or YouTube even is the only place you need to be because you don't own those sites and something could happen at any time. So go back to thinking website, right, Sue, and updating that. Yeah, I'm a believer that your website is your property on the internet and your email list or your fan base list, maybe you would put it, Judy, is how you can reach out to people no matter what happens with social media, whether it gets down, whether it disappears, whether you have to start paying for it, because those kind of changes will occur. I think there's nothing wrong with owning a spot on social media where people know they can go to find you. Mm -hmm. I know that I want to see what Keith Urban has been doing. I know that I need to head to Instagram, but I don't look for him other places. He kind of owns his space there. So driving people from that to your website, that's what you want to do because that's your real estate. It's like if you had a corner store where you stood and sang and created an audience every day, your, your website is your corner store in the online world. And of course it allows you to reach worldwide. And when you have a website, don't just leave it alone for, you know, five years, like I've done, (laughs) uh, actually update it. And uh, my strategy is to have my blog embedded in my website. You know, the, the idea of a blog or, or someplace where you're active that feeds directly into your website, I think is, is great. Um, Also, another thing that is uh, a time-honored strategy that has never changed and will never change is that there is no substitute for the personal one-on-one. The pandemic has cut that artery for us a lot. So as soon as possible and in every way possible that's safe, we need uh, to get in front of people, right? Thankfully, we have online mechanisms to get in front of people until... We can go back and do, you know, when the pandemic is over, whenever that may be. You know, you have such a great tool as a performer, as a musician, because people love to know about you, about how you have come to your craft, about how the backstory, the the inside story. 
Um, you can get a lot of people to your website if you will put things up about here's me practicing a song or here's me working on writing a song and invite people into your living room and your living room becomes your website. Mm-hmm. Your living room becomes maybe one social media outlet. It can prove to really build your fan base when you can't go out and perform. And I know that does feel like cutting off an arm. I, I mean, when I uh, left performing as a musician, I really missed it because I was so used to that energetic connection with people. So you have to do what you can to maintain that energetic connection until you're out in front of them again. So do you think that your piano expertise had anything to do with your sensitivity as a masseuse? I understand you were a masseuse for a while, right? I was. I left the corporate world and became a massage therapist, much to the dismay of most of my family (laughs) who thought I was absolutely (laughs) insane. But uh, I did that. And, you know, energy, I mean, massage is energy and vibration as music is energy and vibration. And I actually worked on a lot of musicians at the time because a lot of musicians have shoulder and arm problems. Sure. Uh, So I enjoyed doing that. And I I think we have to bring things down to the common element. And the common element is that connection, that energetic connection between ourselves and our voice, ourselves and our hands, if we're performers, ourselves and our work and our community and the people who want to follow us. Mm -hmm. People will always be wanting to follow you if they understand why you perform and, and your purpose and what it is that you want to put out into the world, to give to the world. Being a musician is being of service, really, to others. Mm-hmm. This, they call it a gift for a reason. <laughs> it is called a gift for a reason, yeah. <laughs> All right. So how do we meaningfully network as opposed uh, to do unfocused, time-wasting activity? And we've touched on this a little bit, but I know you know about meaningful networking. So mm-hmm. just give us some thoughts. You know, I always look at a business and being a musician is a business if you want it to be your support, right? It's right. Not you want to make money at it. People mm-hmm. who are listening. So you really have to think about a couple of things. Who can I collaborate with? Who can I can bolster them and they can bolster me and working on some project together, we are better. You know, it puts me in mind of singers who go off and, and bring in other well-known uh, performers to do a song with them. Sure. Those kinds of collaborations can work. And then also, who are what we call in the business world your centers of influence? So if we talked about just a few minutes ago, thinking about, you know, who would I most like to meet? Who do I feel like could help me further my career? Who will give me a broad base of knowledge in this industry? And don't really waste your time with people who just they they can't really do you any good because they don't have anything additive to to give you or to talk to you about. Not to say that you shouldn't waste time saying hello to someone, but what I mean by that is, what is your goal? Think about what your goal is for the next three months and then arrange your time such that everything you do aligns to support that goal. And mm. if somebody's wanting you to do a project over here that absolutely isn't going to further what your goal is, then politely decline. And maybe that will make sense to you at another time, but it doesn't make sense right now. Right. And that 
probably means that when you perform and some guy, you know, comes up or girl or whatever, comes up to you and tells you you're the best thing since sliced bread. And if you just give them $10,000, they can make you a star tomorrow. <laughs> That's not who you should be networking with. I mean, flattery, this happens all the time in this business. So double check the flattery by doing some, uh, some discovery work on, on the internet and do uh, your due diligence with yeah. anyone that you you're thinking about working with. Yeah. And they better have a trail of success behind them. Yeah. Look at the experience of the people that you want to get to know and make sure that it is solid experience for what, what part of the industry that you are in, whether you're in production or songwriting or performing, whatever the deal is. Okay. So Take us into why the possibilities of success in a vocal career, and by vocal career, guys, man, that really spans the gamut from being a singer on stage uh, or in the studio to doing voiceover work, to being an actor, to doing public speaking, uh, including being a professor or whatever. There's so many things you can make money with with your voice. So, you know, expand that envelope when I say that. But why the possibilities of success in a vocal career can increase with being self-sufficient and knowledgeable about business principles and why we make big mistakes when we don't know how to, to paraphrase Elvis, take care of business. In other words, why should someone with or wanting to have a singing or speaking career think like a CEO? Yeah. Um, this is kind of a bug with me because I uh, have worked with so many creative types over my career. And they, you know, the first excuse that I get is, well, I'm a creative and I just, um, I don't know anything about business and I just can't be bothered because I'm over here busy being creative. Well, if you're over here busy being creative, then, you know, you're not going to have a business that sustains you for the long term. So you, our challenge in this world is to think of ourselves in two ways. Number one, we're creative. And number two, we also are a business owner. And we have to be able to float between those two skills. Yeah. And in fact, it isn't that hard because you can use your creativity to see what new things in business you can do that Ooh. will take your career further. Yes. So that you're creative isn't an excuse for not really thinking like the CEO of your business. And you cannot hire this. And this is my real big beef with people in the creative world. Oh, I want to hire out my marketing. I want to hire out my social media. I want to hire out my visibility programming. No, you are a performer. You're the face of your business. Exactly. And nobody can take care of your pocketbook like you can. And if somebody is taking care of it, you need to be the overseer. And I ran into that myself in my uh, own artistic career. I gave, handed my corporate uh, bank account over to my manager. Never do that. No. And uh, yeah, it was really, really bad. And I made that excuse, Sue, that very excuse. I was, wasn't a business person. I, I wasn't raised to be one. You know, back in the day when I was raised, most of our parents had uh, jobs that were with big companies and they really didn't think, have to think like freelancers and all that. I didn't even know you're supposed to withhold social security for goodness sakes. Mm -hmm. uh, but we need to know all kinds of things now. And I've learned to be a business person as I've developed my vocal coaching career. Now what I tell my artists, and this is really the reason I wanted to have you on today because you are such an expert in this and you know about music too, 
You've got to be great at two things. One, your art, and two, your business. That's right. And you don't necessarily really need to be thinking if you're in the middle of one of them. It's a different mindset a lot of times. Yes, you can be creative with business and you can be business-like with performance. Like, I know this person's going to be coming to this performance or whatever, but the thing is you also have to be able to, you know, to kind of set yourself in the moment of what you're doing. So you have to learn the skills as an artist and you have to learn current business and promotional skills and um, strategies as a business business person. Yeah. But there it's just not an option not to because either you're not going to be successful or you're going to be successful at making a, a lot of other people a lot of money while you're going into the hole. Exactly. I mean, you have to think about, you know, you've put so much heart and soul into becoming who you are as a, as a performer, um, as a vocalist. And it's hard work. You know, it's very hard work. And you spend years perfecting your craft. And you have to think about, you've got to watch your back. You've got to be really responsible. You really do. Getting a payback on your investment of really your entire life. And that's up to nobody but you. Right. So getting the coaching from business experts is really not a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What common mistakes do you see people make in growing their uh, audiences or in our case, their fan bases? What mistakes do you you see people make when they're trying to grow their visibility or their their people that know about them and and follow them and buy their products and services? Um, Too much opportunistic and not enough planned visibility. Ooh, That's one thing. You need to be very strategic about where you are and who you're in front of and really aim for the kind of fans that you want. Um, Inconsistent effort, being on Instagram four and five and six times a day for three months and then all of a sudden not doing anything for two. That doesn't work. So inconsistency and uh, really watching you know, your voice is or your musical skills, whatever it is that you're doing, your speaking skills are a gift. And so you need to really think about who do I want to put this gift in front of? Mm-hmm. Um, am I looking for a particular fan base who will buy a particular type of music or who will buy merch? You have to think about where you're putting your effort. Exactly. This is where business can inform the art a little bit. When you're doing some songwriting, I think a great songwriting exercise is to imagine your ideal fan, you know, that you think would, even if you don't have a fan base yet, but that would really love what you do, uh, maybe a lot like yourself, but someone male or female that would love like what you do, imagine who they are, flesh them out. Uh, What do they do for a living? What are their fears? What are their joys? What are their anxieties and stuff like that? And then ask yourself, what do you know about love and life that would be of use to them? And then maybe think about a song where you're not preaching that to them, but you're sharing your own knowledge and experience within that subject. That's a way to think about commercially writing, you know, not just writing songs to purge your soul of some angst or whatever, which is not a bad thing either. And sometimes it gets to be a hit, but, (laughs) but thinking commercially, like why would somebody like this? And you're not letting them dictate what you write. You're just kind of narrowing the focus a little bit to think about your ideal fan. And then the other thing is 
how do you know if you're doing that? Well, you get in front of a live audience and then you see their reaction. How are they reacting to it? You know, you're talking about really uh, creating an avatar, which is how we say it in the business world. Oh, yeah. Who is mm -hmm. your ideal customer, your ideal client? And you really should give them a name and flesh them out and know them and know what they read and know what they like and know where they hang and know what they want to hear about. It's the same for an artist as well. Who is the person who you imagine is going to be listening to what it is that you perform? And, you know, sometimes you're surprised and you'll get split audiences. You may get really youngsters and you may get older people, but that's okay. You can start by putting your stake in the sand one place and then seeing what comes. Exactly. Exactly. So tell me, we've talked a little bit about this already, but talk to me about the importance of multiple streams of income. Okay. I have a deal where I always teach my clients that you need to have at least three streams of income. I'm a big believer in that for many different reasons. The world changed a la the pandemic, which, you know, cut the jugular on a, for a lot of people for their income, but other people really benefited by it too. So if you are out in the world of performing, or even if you're just solely in the business world, like I am, one thing's going to go up and one, and another thing is going to go down, sort of mm -hmm. like the stock market. And it's yeah. sometimes unpredictable. It's not anything that you've done. It's something that the environment around you has done. So if you have three streams of income or multiple streams of income, then you will be able to get income from one stream when the other ones are lacking. And that'll hold you over until such time as the other ones can come back or you can shift and retool the other ones and get them working again. It's just a safety and a security thing. We are bad. Solo business owners are bad about saving for the future and we're bad about protecting income. And that's kind of like get your head out of the clouds and figure if this is going to support you, then it's going to have to support you in more than one way. It also mm -hmm. protects you if you get sick, if you get laryngitis, if you have some surgery on your vocal cords, whatever might happen, because those things happen as life goes on. And, you know, even if you're a wild success, uh, you know, when I, when I was successful as an artist, I just thought it was going to go on forever. Yeah. Nobody told me it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Well, the truth is, even the biggest successful stars, most of the time, uh, I think an average of their, you know, being in the top world of being a successful singer is three years. Even Tammy Wynette, the queen of country back then, you know, I think she kept her hairdressing license until the day she died. She kept it current and she would take the test, you know, every year and made a thing of it. You know, I think that was such a good example for people like don't, don't depend. The career of the arts in any art, I would submit, is always iffy with business. Van Gogh never felt himself successful, and yet he's like, an, you know, one of the most successful painters of all time. He never knew it. No, not in his lifetime. He absolutely wasn't. Yeah. Right, right. So that brings me to how do you fail and use that to succeed? Well, that's one of my favorite topics. I, I really don't believe in the word failure. What I substitute is feedback. I've had many business but what they give me is feedback. And, the, and then you question the feedback. So if you do something and it falls flat on its face, you ask yourself, is this worthy? 
Is this a moneymaker in any stretch of the imagination that I can think of? Do I need to retool it and tweak it and put it out there again? And probably the answer to that is at least once you need to try it. Or is it so bad and so often I misread so badly my performance business that I need to quickly dump this and go on to something else? I usually say to clients, tell me that you've tried it three different ways and then we'll call it a failure. But right now you're getting feedback of what will work and what won't work. Mm, mm -mm, That is so good. And, uh, you know, if it is a failure, I've come to think of it as a turning point. You just hit that brick wall, but it's telling you to turn. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not, it's not the end, you know, of anything. Uh, What's funny in my career, I've failed at everything I've done and succeeded at everything I've done. It's funny. Uh, But every time it turned me in a new direction. And the the weirdest thing is that it, it actually came full circle when I recorded again in 2015, another album. So it's like I'm not I'm still doing everything I ever did, but I don't depend on any of the, the you know, any one particular thing. And all of it informs my vocal coaching because I can tell you from experience, yeah, either failed ex- experience or successful ex- experience, that this works or it doesn't. Yeah, I think that when we start out, we think we're going to have a straight arrow path to wherever it is we imagine oh, yeah. this is going to take us. But the truth of the matter is life is a very crooked path and you have to kind of follow the energy sometimes and you have to think about where it is that you want to end up and realize that it's going to be a zigzagged path up to that point. And actually, the more we zig and zag, the better focus we become. So the zigs and the zags become less wide. We don't swing as widely from side to side. And eventually, years down the line, we are very, very narrowly focused and know exactly who we're going to work with, how we're going to perform, what we're going to do. But in the beginning, we're walking a crooked path. And I think we, um, we discourage ourselves when we feel like, oh, I'm starting here and it's going to be a straight arrow path to the top. It won't be. No one's life is, performer or non-performer. And it's so important to keep that positive mindset, even when you don't see any options forward. It's really a good idea to have a network or a little circle of people that you can, you know, talk to and brainstorm with, which brings me to this point. How can you help with your coaching services and how do we sign up for them? Well, you can go to my website, which is confidentmarketer.com. And if you leave your name and your email address, you'll automatically get a little exercise workbook that I put together, which is 20 ways to build your business without frustration and overwhelm. And from there, then you will get other emails from me with some of the coaching things that I do. In terms of working with a musician, you know, it is, it is for me really sort of the same thing. I want to listen really well to where it is you want to go. And then I want to listen to what are the threads that you have pulled together so far and how can those threads be made stronger toward the career that you think right now that you want, knowing full well that it may change and you may want a different career by the time six months from now you get down the road. But helping you get organized and really branded and clear about your brand, that usually is the starting point. Um, Because right now, um, a lot of people who are in their career, they're a little bit fragmented because they will jump at any chance they get. 
and it keeps them from really focusing on what they want. There's an opportunity cost when you get off your own path. And it takes a while then to get that opportunity back. So it's really saying brand clarity, what you what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and how can we turn that into something that is substantial for you in your career. Absolute wisdom, Sue. Thank you so very much for sharing it with us here on All Things Vocal. You are an amazing coach, and I highly recommend her services to anyone that feels led to reach out. So Sue Painter, and uh, she knows about traveling too, when we get back to that. (laughs) Thank you, Judy. It's really a joy to be here, and I'm happy to answer questions from your audience. You can always reach me at sue at confidentmarketer.com. Awesome. Okay. Have a great one, Sue. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. This is your host, Judy Rodman. You can always find me at judyrodman.com. I hope you've learned something valuable for your singing or speaking career. And be sure and check out the links that I leave in the podcast notes. See you next time for All Things Vocal, the podcast for singers, speakers, vocal coaches, and studio producers.